Story content is really interesting and important. Written story content is also important. Having that founder story, having that brand story creates that connection. People, people don't buy, unless it's like a brand that's been around forever, people don't buy from a faceless brand. If they're looking for something new, if they're looking for something specific, they're going to go with the brand that's interesting. And I see a, that missing a lot. I see people, especially on social media, they're putting forward that best practices face again. So everyone's social media starts to look the same. Everyone's Instagram looks the same versus putting out who you are. Welcome to the Podcast Launchpad, where you'll learn the tools you need to use your podcast to be a go-to expert in your field, expand your audience, and get more clients. I'm your host, Kelly. Enjoy the show. Today, I'm chatting with a content creator and fellow podcaster about the power of story in marketing and in podcasting. This is super important in both. In podcasting, too often podcasters will share information without telling stories. And this comes off like they're reading a blog post. Sam and I will discuss why this isn't effective and what you should do instead. Teresa Sam Houghton at The Modern Health Nerd turned a journey to better health into a passion for sharing actionable, life-changing information. She went plant-based in 2009, became a health coach in 2014, all the while writing content to pay the bills. Today, Sam helps plant-based, functional, and better-for-you brands save time on marketing using educational, written content that targets their customers' specific needs. She's also beginning to dabble in other industries, including the budding Web3 space. Welcome, Sam. I'm so happy you're here today. Well, thanks for having me, Kelly. I'm glad to be here. Absolutely. So how did you go from health coach to content creator? That's an interesting story. It's uh, It actually does require a little bit more background. Uh, I had a lot of in, like bizarre health problems like in my 20s that a 20-something should not have. And I was also really out of shape, so I did have to take up exercise as well. But I shifted my diet to vegetarian in high school. And then I shifted to vegan because I'm also lactose intolerant. And I found that a lot of those health problems started to abate. And I got really interested in plant-based diets. I started to learn more about, you know, factory farming and also about the health benefits of eating mostly or completely plant-based. Got so interested in it that I wound up taking the Center for Nutrition Studies plant-based nutrition certificate course. And then I went to Bowman College and got a nutrition consultant certificate. And that was really just me following the nerdy trail of loving the nutrition side of things. But it takes a while to get something like that off the ground. And it's actually kind of a hard sell here in upstate New York, uh, health coaching, especially plant-based health coaching. So I discovered that you can write content online and make money. I unfortunately started at what's called a content mill where you don't get, it's, it's just you're cranking out articles. But over time, I did more and more of that. And eventually, at the beginning of 2020, I connected with a business coach who helped me transition to what I'm doing now with Modern Health Nerd, uh, working more with brands in these different spaces and being able to do outreach on my own and connect with clients that I'm really excited to work with. So <laughs> in talking about content creation, let's start with podcasting for a minute. What do you see are the biggest mistakes that podcasters are making when content creation? And that is, you know, for their episodes, let's say. 
Now that's a that's an interesting question because I really do deal a lot in the written content, mm-hmm. but I can tell you what I see basically as having done the podcast, which was something that it's funny. That's actually how I got the name Modern Health Nerd. I was operating under my old brand with, from when I was a health coach, and when I launched a podcast, I was like, I like the title Modern Health Nerd, and it wound up being my actual brand. Just from the perspective of having done the podcast and also having listened to a lot of different marketing podcasts and food podcasts, I find that the best podcasts are the ones where there's something interesting and they're not just podcasting for the sake of podcasting. And one, actually one of the biggest mistakes, I'll take a step back here, is not actually the content, it's the editing. I listen to a lot of podcasts where I will just drop off a few minutes into an episode because either the guest is talking ad nauseum about things that don't have anything to do with the episode, which might have been interesting when the host and the guest were chatting, but they didn't cut it out when they were editing. Or I was also in Toastmasters when I was younger. And if people aren't familiar with Toastmasters, it's a public speaking organization. And one of the things they teach you to watch out for is filler words like, uh, um, uh, like, okay. And I find that when those are rampant, it's very hard to listen to a podcast because it's not like a normal conversation where you're talking to somebody else. You're just listening to something. So I would say if you're going to create podcast content, invest in the time and the tools to edit it well, also to balance the audio so that Say you're listening in the car, the host is talking like this and you can't hear them. And then that's (laughs) that's very hard to listen to. So I would say editing. But going back to the actual content of the episodes, it does need to be interesting. It doesn't need to be interesting to everybody, but it needs to be interesting to the people that you are targeting as an audience. And it Also, I find that there are so many interview style podcasts. It's not like it's a bad thing, but some of the ones that I find are very interesting and fun to listen to are the ones where there's a little bit of a variation. Maybe the host will break in with a expository line or a little bit of an aside over the interview, or they will use bits of the interview in between other information. There's a really good one in the plant-based space called Red to Green, and it's almost like listening to an audio book. They have seasons where they cover specific topics. It's very well done. It's very well edited. It's very interesting. Mm. So if you can do some variation that makes your podcast stand out a bit from all the other podcasts, I'd say that that's another good thing. And Last thing I'll say is don't just podcast for podcast sake. Don't launch a podcast because you think that it's just another way to get content out there. If you have an interesting topic that your audience wants to hear about or that you're really passionate about and your passion will make them interested. And also, if it makes sense for your business right now, because it's a huge time commitment, then think about launching a podcast. Don't just be like, okay, I got another avenue where I need to get content out there. Absolutely. So what about putting story? into the episodes. What I did do is for a couple of months, I was running a LinkedIn Live series called Founder Stories. And I did that because when I run polls and ask people what they want to hear about, it's inevitably because a lot of my network there is founders or people who are currently running brands or what have you, 
they want to hear other founders' stories. They want to know, they want to learn from that. So that is a big deal. Whatever your audience is interested in or passionate about, if there are people who have done that thing and have learned things from it and have had real life ups and downs, interesting experiences, that is going to introduce story and that is going to create that connection that's a human connection. There is a really great example of this. He's not a podcaster, but it extrapolates out to other content creation. There's a guy named Parker Olson. He runs a brand called Forage, F-O-R-I-J, and he makes mm. functional mushroom granola. He did this. He's amazing. He went from living in a tent because his business took over his bedroom to living in a van, driving across the country, promoting his brand. And he did videos of different things that he did. Like he would get out of his car in traffic jams and hand out samples. And he would post little videos of different things that happened to him. And it was super popular because he told the stories. He always told the stories about the people he met and just the things that had happened to him. So if you can have people who will share that sort of thing on your podcast, whatever your subject is. It makes your subject more interesting because there is a human connection. It's not just you sharing facts and saying, you know, okay, today we're going to learn about unique ways to market your product. It's like, no, today I got this guy who lives in a van. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's giving concrete examples of how to implement the tips that you're giving. So you just gave a great example of how to put story into a podcast because we just did it more than once. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about marketing. Uh, what are some of the biggest mistakes that you see people making in marketing their content? Let's talk about content as a whole, I think, okay. because it is Great. a whole machine. Even yes. though I'm not on social media, I do understand that it is a big deal for a lot of brands and a lot of companies. Mm -hmm. That being said, I'll start with the long form content because okay. I see actually the biggest mistakes here. And that extrapolates to everything else, because if you write long form content, generally you're repurposing it across all of your channels. And also people write long form content for certain platforms like LinkedIn. My biggest, biggest thing that I see, and this is endemic among, I think, brands, especially and especially smaller brands or brand founders who have been reading all of the marketing advice and they've been told you know, you need to do X, Y, Z, or you will fail. First thing I'm going to say is, while there are best practices, there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all for content. What we were just talking about, about story, is a great example. Every founder has a different story. Every brand has a different story and a different vibe, depending on who your audience is, depending on what you're selling or what your services are. So while there are some baseline quote unquote, best practices that you can go by. If you read that and you think I must do this or my business will die, chances are you will get yourself tied up in knots and your content will not, it will, it'll just suffer. But the biggest issue that I see is people are writing content for content's sake and specifically for SEO. They're chasing keywords that they think are trending. They're chasing keywords that they think are popular or that they go and they pick keywords that are popular, but they're not 
resonating with their audience. And I've actually seen this happen. I've seen people say, okay, I did all this SEO content, but it's not translating into sales because it has nothing to do with what your audience wants to know. The, the basics of that is I see a lot of people who either they do audience research and they just focus on demographics or they don't do audience research really at all and they don't understand their audience. I've also talked to people who know their audience, but they're just hung up on how do I translate this into content? There's some kind of disconnect there. And that's one of the reasons I do what I do is because I'm really fascinated in learning about people's audiences and then trying to apply that. But when you chase SEO for SEO's sake, you really miss the mark on connecting with people as people like we were talking about with story. So say you have that. I always use food examples because this is the place. This is the industry I work in. Say you have an energy bar. And you really think, okay, this energy bar is perfect for post-workout. So I'm going to go and write all of these fitness topics because this is perfect for post-workout. And you pick like, you know, 37 fitness keywords that are trending and you write, you know, another five ways to get more protein in your plant-based diet blog post, which we don't need more of. And then nothing happens. Well, why? Because your audience isn't eating it for post-workout. They're ridiculously busy moms who grab it on the door out on their way out the door while they're bundling their toddlers off to daycare or their kids off to school. So that's what you have to find out. Maybe this percent of your audience eats it post-workout, but this percent of your audience is moms. And what you should be doing is going on Pinterest and giving them links to your blog post about how to do XYZ when you're a ridiculously busy mom. And maybe that doesn't seem like it aligns with your brand, but if that's your audience and that's what they need and that's what they're interested in or passionate about, that is important. The flip side of that comes back to story. Story content is really interesting and important. Written story content is also important. Having that founder story, having that brand story creates that connection. People people don't buy, unless it's like a brand that's been around forever. People don't buy from a faceless brand. If they're looking for something new, if they're looking for something specific, they're going to go with the brand that's interesting. And I see that missing a lot. I see people, especially on social media, they're putting forward that best practices face again. So everyone's social media starts to look the same. Everyone's Instagram looks the same versus putting out who you are. And I, I always come back to there's this brand called Midday Squares that makes functional chocolate. They're they're just they're just nuts. They do stuff like go to stores and dance with the employees and post the videos on social media. And that's who they are. Another brand I really like with this is Ourobora. They're a drink brand, a sparkling water brand. Their Instagram is hysterical. I mean, I'm not big on social media, but I'll go to their Instagram just for a laugh. They'll have product shots, product shots. And then all of a sudden it'll be something like a frog with a raspberry on its head. And that resonates with their audience. Their audience loves the humor. So there's that too, is like really just being who you are and your audience will appreciate that. So it's a kind of a combination between serving their needs and letting your personality lead the content creation, whether you are writing and that's your voice or you're creating social media content and get just getting yourself out there. Yeah. Now, your personality does not have to be funny for you to share it in your content on social media, you know, in your branding and your marketing, whatever, because if you try to do 
the dancing and the hand switch thing and the changing the clothes thing, you know, and Instagram and TikTok and all that. If that's not you, your audience is going to be able to tell that's not you. And they'll be like, what is she doing? You know, what's what's going on here? That's not me. So I don't do that stuff. Yeah, yeah that's that's not me either. I, I have a tendency to have maybe more of a dry sense of humor mm. and I'm not really into video. I tried doing video like early days when I was doing health coaching. I would do like Facebook lives and stuff. And, you know, I did the the uh, LinkedIn lives, but like I'm not the kind of person who's going to whip out the phone and be dancing my way to better content. It's not happening for me. <laughs> no. And I like to dance, but I'm not doing dippy dances for Instagram. Just not me, not my brand. So anyone, anyone who's watching or listening, if you're like, oh, no, now I have to start dancing with people in Mm -hmm. grocery store aisles. No, don't worry about it. Leave that to midday squares. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Does not have to be you. And the thing about that company, oh, the protein bars and trying to make them for post-workout. And it's really busy mom, ridiculously busy moms buying them. It's like an unofficial beta test, you know, so it wasn't in beta, but they can tweak it. So maybe their intention was, okay, this is for post-workout, but they really do, like you said, need to listen to their ideal client. And Okay, that wasn't their ideal client. They need to listen to who is actually buying their product and then realize, oh, our ideal client has changed. Therefore, our brand needs to change. And that's something that I don't know how big they are, but small businesses and solo entrepreneurs can do really easily. And it sounds like they're a bigger company. I don't know how big, but bigger companies can do it too. We absolutely need to listen and then make those tweaks to respond to who's actually buying the product. Yeah, and you know, you can avoid making... You can largely avoid making that mistake by doing some preliminary research as well. This Correct. is actually a service that I do offer in addition to mm. content creation. I, I I call it like understand your customers. It needs a cooler name than that. But basically what I do is I go and I dig around in the customers' communities. They say, go where, where your customers are. Well, a lot of small brands have an especially advantage with this because a lot of them started out in like farmer's markets. Mm. So they've already done this. But if you are somebody who's like a direct to consumer and you're just doing online, you can go and look, well, what are people who are generally interested in the kinds of stuff you're selling? What are what what products are they using now? What do they like and not like about them? What do they talk about in terms of their own struggles or interests or their sense of humor or their fears or what their lives are like when they're just talking among themselves? What do they how do they shop, you know, talk to your customers and also kind of just go and be a fly on the wall. And I wrote a a blog post on this too, but just go and be a fly on the wall and find where they are. And you might discover some really interesting things and words that you can use in your marketing that they use. And if you do that preliminary or very early on as you're learning about your audience, it's not going to mean that you're going to nail your messaging perfectly but it's going to make it a lot easier. You're not going to have to guess who you're talking to. They will just tell you just by being themselves on the internet. 
Absolutely. So what can people do to add story to their content in an effective way? I would say the first thing is nail down your own story, like as a founder of your brand or as the, you know, the, for me, I'm the chief nerd of my, of my company, whatever, whatever you are of your company, nail down your story and your company's story. That might involve talking it out with somebody. I actually did work with a client once where we did that. He told me like the whole, literally the whole backstory of his brand and how he got there. And we nailed it down into a good founder story for his website and also that he could use for PR and when he was on podcasts or what have you. So get that down first. And that not only creates that human connection between your company or your brand and your ideal clients and customers, but it also solidifies in your head and brings you back to this is why I'm doing this. These are my passions. This is what I love. These are the topics that I can speak to. And these are the things that I want to be sharing with my audience, you know, literally from the heart. I don't think that you just have to write about what your audience wants to hear. If you're passionate about something and there's something that you want to get them excited about too, that'll come through and people will get excited about things. So know your own story first and start, start communicating that in your content, in, you know, in your PR in your own appearances, places, and people will start to get to know you as a person and they will connect you with your brand instead of just, I came across this brand on Instagram and they have pretty pictures of food, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that, but put a little bit more into your brand than that. Yeah. I, I would cool. say another thing on this. I think that this is a personal thing, but I think that honestly, the era of the way that content is being written is, is about to change. I'm not going to say it's going to collapse. I'm going to say it's going to change. I really think that now that we have a lot of people who are on platforms like Substack, who are writing higher quality content, who aren't chasing algorithms, who aren't feeling the pressure from Google and Instagram and TikTok and everywhere to create, create, create things that fit into this little box. And now also that Google is saying that they are prioritizing, quote unquote, helpful content mm -hmm. that makes people satisfied to read it, which means you have a good experience reading it. I think that it's time for a couple of things to happen. One, the relentless grind to create, 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 create needs to slow down so that we can focus on quality and on things that are well written and that leverage literary techniques. Obviously, mm -hmm. a blog post is not a book. It's not a newspaper. It's not a magazine feature. But I still think that if we start to dial into those things and start to dial into things like narrative nonfiction, creative nonfiction, a little bit of personal essay, and harken back even to the days when, here we go, I'm dating myself, everybody had something like a live journal or an open diary where mm -hmm. we were a little more like a, like a journal and we would incorporate more real, real life things and not just, I'm going to write this blog because I need to create content for SEO as there's more human and literary mixed together into content, I think things are going to change. And I really, I really feel like that is going to be a revolution for the way that we create content. And I think it's going to do a service to content consumers who are just blasted with endless algorithmic garbage all the time. As a matter of fact, in that post that I wrote about 
writing only, like not writing only SEO. I found this great quote on Reddit and it said, I'd say the entire World Wide Web is garbage and we're just garbage men swimming in a sea of trash and pulling out hidden goodies to take home with us. Oh, I think it's time to clear the trash and put up more of those hidden goodies. That's great. Love that. And similarly, so for podcasting, for people who share transcripts of their podcasts, for solo episodes, you can make them more literary while still being natural. You know, you can speak well for your solo episodes, especially if you follow a script or even if you're just following an outline. You can make them more literary and they'll read really well when you share the transcript. And when you share transcripts, I advocate not just having a downloadable PDF, but having them either on that blog post, the episode blog post, or on a separate post because then you, sorry to refer to SEO, but you double your SEO that way. You have the actual episode post and then a separate post of the transcript. But anyway, so that's a way to bring that higher quality into a podcast and not just a blog post. And also when you post a transcript, please make sure you edit it. I have I have oh, been to so God. many sites where they just post the transcript unedited and I try <gasps> to find information and it's like, I can't find anything. I don't have time to listen to this whole episode. But another thing that I really like, and I would do this with my later episodes, when I first started podcasting, I had very short show notes, but in my, in my season two, where I focused on, on the plant-based space, significantly uh, narrowed the topics, I would write a post that was sort of like a little bit of a, almost like a newspaper type article where it wasn't just, here's what we covered in the episode, but it was quotes from the people who were on and takeaways for listeners based on what was in the episode. And I would say, going on what you said for solo episodes, you can definitely make it like a little newspaper feature or like a little magazine story. Because if you're doing a solo episode, it's pretty much like that anyway. You are sharing specific information that you want people to take away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just an aside on SEO, there's nothing inherently wrong with SEO. It's super important if you have yes. like a brand or service business that your service pages and your product pages are going to rank and that you rank for your own, you know, your own brand name. But it comes down to being smart about how you use it and not making it the driver of everything that you create. Because then you, you, you sell yourself short, you sell your readers and your listeners and viewers short. Absolutely. And Google dings you for padding your content with keywords. So you will not rank well if all you're doing is writing for the algorithm for SEO. Yeah. yeah. And you can tell when someone's trying to do it because you open up a post and it's like, have you ever keyword? Have you ever asked yourself this keyword question? <laughs> well, today we're going to keyword keyword so that you can keyword. And it's like, ouch, ouch. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. And yeah, Google can tell, obviously, and they do not prioritize those posts at all. And in fact, they will push them down lower. So don't do it. Not interesting for your audience and not liked by Google. So it can't be helpful on occasion, though, because sometimes I'll, I'll be doing something. I'll be like, huh, I wonder how to do this. Someone has written an SEO driven post about this. I must go find it. 
and inevitably I go find it. And so I have to say that, you know, when I want to know how to do something or I need a how-to video on YouTube, that's when SEO comes super handy. Oh, God, absolutely. And sometimes you can't avoid certain keywords. Mm. If I am, you know, talking about podcasting, I can't avoid the word podcast in a blog post or an episode about podcasting. I am not padding with that keyword. I just can't avoid it. I will alternate with the word show, but it's still going back and forth between those two words. So sorry, Google, there's nothing I can do about that. Well, fortunately, when you focus on the quality content, you... Google can use words like podcast or show to know what the page is about. But if the rest of the content is really good quality and it's got something that is going to help your readers or just interest or entertain them, that's going to help too. And that's the other thing about SEO is if you just write something that's really, really good and it's around a central topic and you're not trying to tick all of the boxes all at once, even if, you know, even if it doesn't rank high, and this is what I say to people is write content today that if you go back in five years or 10 years, you are happy that you wrote that content and you still feel good about it. And don't make yourself a whole content library where you look back and just your your entire reaction is, you know, the ouch emoji. You just don't, you just Cringe. don't want that. And it, it also ask yourself, like, would I share this with my family and my friends as something that I feel good about having written, that I feel like I really put my, you know, my best foot forward with this and that it came out good. Now you're not going to hit it out of the park every time. Nobody does. Professional writers don't. Professional videographers and, and all of that, they don't. Professional, you know, like people who run, run highly monetized six-figure podcasts don't hit it out of yeah. the park every time. Great filmmakers have. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, but as long as you're putting your best foot forward and you're creating content that you can go back to and say, you know, I, I still feel good about this. That's where you should land. Absolutely. Great, great advice. So what kind of work do you do with your clients and who are your clients? I mentioned it a little bit when I was introducing you, but I'd love to hear from you. Well, I've really doubled down on long form content. That can be blogs. It can be articles. It can be what we call thought leadership, where people are sharing their thoughts and opinions on specific subjects, which I think we'll see more of. And I think people really should do more of because again if you have a unique angle as a as a brand or if you have a team that's got some really good insights especially now in the food space with all the different tech stuff that's going on if you can own that conversation go for it Uh, so i do that i also have that customer research thing that i do which is a pretty comprehensive process it involves digging into communities all across the internet trying to figure out what kinds of hashtags people use in their uh, social media posts, where are they hanging out there? Where are they hanging out in places like Reddit? And trying to distill really who your audience is from their own words and the way that they behave just as human beings, because it's not nearly as predictable as you would think. <laughs> and it's it can always it can be really um really nuanced depending on two two different brands that make the same thing could have two completely different audiences. So that's another thing to keep in mind when you're creating content is your competitor might not be the other guy who's making the same thing you are. 
going back to the busy moms example, maybe your maybe your competitor isn't that protein powder company. Your competitor is, you know, Kellogg's Instables or right. something. Yeah. You know? Something you'd never think of. So just uncovering those things. So those are the two things that I do. I'm really, really big on content that has like science backing to it, which is one of the things I like about uh, working with food companies. Mm. Right now, my clients generally fall into plant-based slash vegan, better for you, which is any of these companies that are taking our standard American diet and making better versions, including better beverages and functional, which is things like, you know, like, like a lot of Brands are adding adaptogens or maybe medicinal mushrooms to their products. A lot of brands are also starting to add prebiotic fibers. So if it's something that helps your body work better in a certain way, that'll be a functional brand. But I'm also really fascinated by the companies that serve these brands. Some of Mm -hmm. them that are doing, I think that the tech where it's allowing for home sampling is really interesting. Uh, Some of the tech that's making ingredients for these brands is really interesting. And I have started to get interested in Web3 as well. I think that there's a lot of self-indulgent weirdness going on in Web3 and crypto, but I think that there's also a lot of potential for a great deal of good to be done. And that I'm I'm interested in connecting with like decentralized autonomous organizations and seeing what what DAOs are doing out there to improve, well, improve the internet and also just improve human experience. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a lot that can be done. Absolutely. Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. And I love how you described the work you do with the the health and better for you companies. It's a very tight niche there. And it's awesome. Very yeah, cool. And it, it's just so fascinating too. Just so much great stuff coming out mm-hmm. all the time. People have such fantastic, fantastic ideas. And that's another thing about story. It really does differentiate. If if you look at it, like I run in two kind of circles. I run in this circle where I do all this work here. And then I step out into the like my friends and family. And there's a, there's a huge difference between it. It's like I, the circles that I run in, it's like I couldn't find this thing. So I founded a company, got venture capital backing, and now I'm making it. Whereas I'm like, I can't find this thing. I guess I'll have to go to another website or store or see if I can find it because I'm not I'm not a, I'm a content creator, not a maker. So, yeah, yeah. I really admire people who are like, I can't find it. I'm going to make it. Yeah, yeah exactly. totally admire those people. And so how can listeners find you to learn more about you? Well, I do have a LinkedIn profile, even though I'm not active there. So if you want to learn more about like what I've done or see some of the stuff that I posted in the past, you can still find me on LinkedIn. The best way to find me right now is my website, which is modernhealthnerd.com. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can reach straight out. It's Sam, S-A-M, at modernhealthnerd.com. Awesome. So thank you so much. This has been fabulous. I've loved chatting with you and you've shared some great information. Thank you so much, Sam. Well, thanks, Kelly. It's been great. Awesome. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast Launchpad. Be sure to follow so you don't miss a single episode. And if you have any comments or questions, feel free to email or send me a DM on Instagram. Follow the links in the show notes. I really appreciate you for being here. See you next time on the podcast Launchpad.